Welcome to the Success in Medicine podcast. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata, and I'm here with my partner, Dr. Samir Desai. We're the authors of The Successful Match, and on today's episode, we wanted to talk about the SOAP. Samir, let's provide some background. What is the SOAP? So SOAP stands for Supplemental Offer and Acceptance Program. Rajani, this was created by the NRMP in 2012. And basically what it is, is it offers a process for unmatched residency programs to fill their spots with applicants who did not match. So as we're recording this, it is about two weeks away from match day 2021. And one of the reasons that we wanted to talk about the SOAP on today's episode is because it is something that is not necessarily on everybody's mind, but it's something that every applicant in the NRMP needs to be thinking about. And that's because the if you don't match, it can be a very stressful and anxiety-provoking time, of course. So it's really important to put some thought into this process before you get to that day. So, Samir, who should be prepared and who should think about taking part in SOAP? Well, Reginate, nobody really wants to think about this. You know, the thought of going unmatched, it's its so hard to, to process. But it's a thought that really should enter everyone's mind. And the reason I say that is because if it doesn't, then you may not recognize that you're at risk for not securing a spot. And really thinking about it and analyzing your path and you know where you are and how the season went, I think is crucial because through that process, there will be some students who realize that they may be at higher risk of not matching. And it's these students that really need to plan for the SOAP process in the event that they don't match. And I'd have to say in previous years, there are some students who I think recognize that they're at high risk of not matching. You know, perhaps they had very few interviews or perhaps there are what are known as uh, red flags in their residency application. And then I think there's another category that might be at higher risk, but not necessarily high risk you know, maybe just a slightly elevated risk. Perhaps they had several interviews, but maybe not enough to feel comfortable about their chances of matching. And then I have to say, uh, you know, there are always students where both the student and the advisor are surprised when they do not match. And sometimes this comes down to interview performance. You know, they may have had plenty of interviews, but for some reason they did not do well in their interviews. And I've also seen fantastic, highly qualified students with, you know, outstanding grades and letters of rec and scores who don't match. And I don't put that out there to scare anybody, but I do put that out there to say that sometimes there are factors that are beyond our control and there's a certain amount of randomness to the whole match process. So I've definitely had students where I was really surprised that they did not match. So I think definitely as a group, it's something to consider, but Samir, who is sort of in that higher risk category of not matching? 
Rajani, I think you touched upon some of these groups that would be in what we call that higher risk category. So if you're somebody who is only applying to a competitive specialty, something that's very, very hard to get into, or perhaps you're applying to something that perhaps is not as competitive, but you feel that your application may not be as competitive as other applicants that you are competing with. Or perhaps you're somebody who received, for whatever reason, a small number of interviews. And then you mentioned applicants who have red flags. And I want to take a moment to talk about that. And and what do we mean by red flags? So they include such issues as a failed USMLE or COMLEX attempt. Uh, It could be that you've passed the USMLE or COMLEX, but you achieved a score that was lower relative to the mean for applicants who match in your chosen specialty. Perhaps uh, there was another issue. Maybe they ran into some academic difficulty with one of your preclinical courses or even one of your clerkships. And uh, other factors that would be considered red flags include comments in your MSPE, so that narrative section where your medical school has placed comments from your rotation evaluations. So if you have some negative comments there, that would be also considered a red flag. In addition to that, we would classify professionalism concerns. So things like academic misconduct or misdemeanors or felonies as red flags. And then finally, unexplained gaps in your CV. And I present all these to you because If you have something like that in your background, it's not to say that you can't match. People have matched time and time again with red flags. But knowing that you're at risk, it really allows you to create an effective plan in advance of match week. And it's this plan that you need to create and then be able to execute if, in fact, your worst fears come true. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into that section. Let's talk about creating a plan. So, you know, in essence, a SOAP plan is a contingency plan. If you don't match, is SOAP your only option to find a position? Well, most people who don't match will take part in SOAP, but that doesn't mean it's your only option. Uh, If you go through the SOAP and don't find a position, you may be able to find a position outside of the SOAP following the end of the SOAP process. Now, I will also say, Regine, that some people, when they're in the situation, they've gone unmatched, they may decide not to take part in SOAP for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. We'll touch upon that a little later. Let's, uh, Let's focus on the SOAP right now. When does it take place? Sort of walk me through the process. The SOAP process takes place during match week, and it starts on Monday of that week. So that Monday is when people will find out match results. So they will know whether they've matched or they haven't matched. And those who haven't matched can take part in SOAP starting that Monday. Who manages the SOAP? So SOAP is managed by the NRMP, or the National Resident matching program. It's the same program that administers the main residency match. And let's talk about numbers. How competitive is this process? Rajni, this is a very competitive process. Year after year, there are 
well over 10,000 applicants who take part in SOAP. So to give you the latest data, in 2020, there were nearly 12,000 applicants who were SOAP eligible. And from that group, a little over 1,100 matched successfully. So this is really tricky because in essence, SOAP is matching up unfilled programs with unmatched applicants, but it's a very uneven group, far more unmatched applicants than there are unfilled programs. So who takes part in the SOAP? Every applicant type takes part in SOAP. So this includes USMD seniors, USDO seniors, there are graduates of U.S. medical schools who take part in it, as well as international medical graduates, which of course includes both U.S. citizen IMGs and non-U.S. citizen IMGs. But when you look at the group of SOAP-eligible applicants, by far the largest group year after year are the international medical graduates, and they account for about two-thirds of all eligible applicants. Now, can anyone take part in SOAP? Not everybody can take part in it, so you must be what we call SOAP eligible as an applicant to participate in the SOAP process. Let's go into that in more detail. So to be eligible, you have to meet a few criteria. So first, you have to be registered for the main residency match. Second, you must be eligible to begin residency training on July 1st. Now, this is a verification step that occurs either through the applicant's medical school, if you're a U.S. medical student, or the ECFMG, if you are an international medical student or graduate. And finally, in order to take part in SOAP, you have to be unmatched. So you either have to be partially unmatched or fully unmatched as an applicant. And you will know if you're eligible to participate in SOAP by logging into your homepage on the NRMP R3 system on Monday of match week, uh, and that's where you'll be able to see about your eligibility status. So right now, as we're recording this, we're about two weeks away, and one of the things that you and I really emphasize is how important it is to have a SOAP plan. Well, you know, hearing that news that you didn't match, it's, it's a huge blow, Rajani. It's something that I have heard so many times from applicants and I, and those are the toughest calls that I get during match week when people reach out and you know they're just it's the emotion is just so raw and it can be so overwhelming you're finding out about this just a few hours before you have to take some action we know from research regeny that when we are in high stress states it can be hard for us to process what's going on and to make decisions that would be optimal for us. And unfortunately, because you hardly have any time to process these emotions and you have hardly any time to put together your application, it becomes so difficult on people going through this. And that's why it's essential to have a plan in place before you apply. So during SOAP, you'll be able to apply to a maximum of 45 residency programs. And some specialties have consistently high fill rates in the match, and what that means is there's likely to be fewer than 45 programs to apply to if you're looking for positions in these fields. So you have to ask some important questions. Ask yourself what you will do 
if there are only a few positions available in your chosen specialty. Will you only apply to these programs in the SOAP, or will you also apply to programs in other specialties? And I also recommend reviewing NRMP match statistics from previous years to get an idea of what you're likely to encounter with respect to different specialties. Tell me a little bit about the statistics about unfilled positions for different specialties. Well, some specialties have traditionally had relatively larger numbers of positions available in the SOAP. As an example, family medicine or internal medicine. But there are other specialties that have had historically few positions in the SOAP, like emergency medicine or dermatology. So to give you some idea, in in 2020, half of the SOAP positions were one-year or PGY-1 positions only, and most of these positions were in preliminary surgery. Yeah, this is something that you know, I I do discuss with my dermatology advisees, because if you get to that point, you're, you know, you're sitting there on that Monday, and there are maybe three unfilled positions in dermatology across the country. So it is hard, you have to make that decision, are you going to sit out the residency match for that year, you know, wait to apply next year? Or are you going to jump at that point and try to get a position in another field? So what you're saying is definitely very important. You really have to think about what happens if you do not get into your particular specialty, especially if there are just very few positions. How many residency programs participate in SOAP? The number of programs that participate, of course, depends upon how many programs fail to fill their positions through the match. In 2020, there were nearly 650 programs that went unfilled. Once you've figured out which specialties you're going to be going after in the SOAP, what else needs to be a part of your plan? I tell students that you really need to take the time to carefully analyze your documents, and by that I mean your application documents, to see if you can strengthen these components of your application. So to give you an example, I'll I'll start by talking about the personal statement. So you want to consider the statement that you submitted when you applied to residency programs. And you have to ask yourself, was there something about that statement that may have limited you from securing interviews? Is there a way to make it more compelling? If the answer is yes, then it's an opportunity to rewrite that statement and make that stronger, which, of course, is going to enhance the strength of your overall application. If you'll be applying to other specialties in the SOAP, then you'll need to write personal statements for those specialties, and that will certainly improve your chances for those fields. Remember, your goal is not to make minor or cosmetic changes to your statement, because what you're really trying to achieve is a specialty-specific statement. And by that, I mean a statement that clearly indicates to readers that you're committed to that specialty. What about letters of recommendation? Letters of recommendation are another component of your application that you really need to take stock of. You need to ask yourself if one or more letters affected your chances of securing interviews. Now, that can be hard because you may not have access to those letters. But let me go into a few aspects of this that 
some of our listeners may find pertinent to their situation. So among the most common mistakes that we see is not submitting a letter written by a physician in your chosen specialty. So if that's something that happened to you, then in the months that have passed since you submitted your application, if you've worked with a physician in your chosen specialty, hopefully you can submit a letter from that type of individual. Another common mistake with letters of recommendation is submitting too few letters from physicians in your chosen specialty. And every specialty has some different uh, requirements or recommendations for the number of letters that should come from physicians in that specialty. Another common mistake has to do with submitting generic or brief letters of recommendation. So again, if you've had a chance to work with someone who really thinks very highly of you, you've worked very closely with them, and you believe that it will lead to a strong letter of recommendation that perhaps may be stronger than one of your letters from your original package of letters or recommendation, then maybe that would really help strengthen your application. Now, I would like to give one piece of advice to international medical graduates. U.S. residency programs prefer letters written by physicians who have supervised you during clinical experience in the U.S. So if when you applied, you didn't have U.S. letters of recommendation, or perhaps your full complement of letters were not written by U.S. physicians, this may be an area that uh, you can change for the SOAP process. So basically, there's a lot of analysis that you want to go through with your letters of recommendation. And through that analysis, you may decide that it's in your best interest to submit new ones to strengthen your overall application. So let's talk a little bit about that. Are you suggesting then that, let's say you're applying to otolaryngology and you had a great experience after you applied for the residency match, so you've got another potential letter of recommendation. You're not sure if you're going to match. Do you approach your attending and ask for a letter at this point and then, you know, get ready to upload that to IRAS if you don't match? That's exactly right, and that would be a great scenario, a good example of what I'm talking about. And I think it's something that uh, happens every year. But this year, because of COVID-related issues and the way uh, medical education was interrupted and the challenges of completing certain rotations before the application was submitted, there may be more of these types of situations. And, and there may be an opportunity here, a real opportunity, to upload some new letters of recommendation that uh, will lead to a stronger residency application. Now, let's talk about some mistakes that might be made in this process. What are some that could be very harmful? One mistake that you just cannot afford is not having your personal information updated in the ARIS system. So the reason why that's so important is in the SOAP process, after you submit your application, programs may reach out to you. And they're going to obviously reach out to you based on your contact information. And now it's been many, many months since you've applied. And so if your contact information has changed, you know, that's going to be a problem, obviously. So update your information and make sure that you can be easily reached by email and by phone. What about, there's another mistake that you and I have talked about because we've seen applicants make this mistake. Let's talk about the next one. Yeah, so another mistake is sharing the list of unfilled programs with other people. 
So when you find out that you have gone unmatched, you're going to have access to programs that went unfilled in the match. And there have been instances where people have copied or shared that list with others. We've even seen, Rajani, that this information has been posted on discussion forums or chat groups. And I want to tell our listeners that this is a violation of the NRMP rules. Despite the fact that the NRMP makes that very, very clear, we continue to see this information posted on forums every year. Now, I do want to clarify, though, that you can discuss unfilled programs with your mentors, correct? That's right. You can discuss unfilled programs with your mentors, but you are not allowed to copy, share, or post that information. And that actually leads me to the next mistake. Let's talk about making contact with programs. Because again, we've seen some confusion around this. Can you go ahead and talk about that? Absolutely. So it's a very common situation where you have this list of unfilled programs. And and when you see that, you, you may say to yourself, I'll just go ahead and shoot that program an email or I'll reach out to my mentor and have them make a call on my behalf. And either one of those things would be a very serious mistake, a mistake that could be disastrous for you. And the reason for that is that the NRMP explicitly states that applicants or individuals representing applicants must not contact unfilled residency programs about their available positions. The contact must first come from the program. And uh, despite this, every year there are applicants who break this rule. That's such an important mistake. But I have to say, Samir, it's a really easy mistake to make because I have had, you know, some of my mentees contact me when they have it matched and tell me that, you know, this program has an unfilled position. And it's so easy to just say, oh, I have a friend of that program. Let me just shoot them an email. But that would go against the rules of the NRMP. So I'm just going to emphasize that again. You cannot ask your advisor or your mentor to make those calls or those emails on your behalf. You really have to wait for the program to contact you. What are the consequences of breaking this rule? Yeah, so before I discuss the consequences of breaking this rule, I just want to add something to what you just said, Rajani. I mentioned earlier in this episode that the SOAP process, the inaugural year for that was back in 2012. So before 2012, we had a process called the scramble. And the scramble did not have anywhere near the amount of order that the SOAP process has. And with the scramble, there were no rules against applicants or their you know, individuals representing them from reaching out to programs. And I bring this up because, you know, there may be people in our lives who have gone through the scramble or have been very familiar with the scramble, but if they're not up to date on the SOAP rules, you could very well, you know, unknowingly be making this mistake. So I wanted to bring that to the attention of our listeners. But as far as the consequences of breaking this rule, the NRMP can cite you with what we call a match violation and even prohibit you from taking part in the match or the SOAP process in the future. Now, a violation of this sort can also be made known 
to residency programs that you apply to in the future. There is evidence that indicates that programs are concerned with applicants who have match violations. And you can see this evidence in the NRMP data, specifically the program director survey. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the SOAP process itself then. What happens? So on Monday of Match Week, SOAP-eligible applicants will have access to the NRMP's list of unfilled programs beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern. And how many programs can you apply to in the SOAP? So you can apply to a total of 45 programs during the SOAP process. Now, a common question, Rajini, that I get asked is, can I apply to programs that I applied to before but didn't interview me? And the answer is absolutely yes. You can apply to new programs and you can apply to old programs. And what should you do after you submit your applications through the SOAP? So after you submit your applications, there's going to be a time when programs can begin downloading applications. So that's going to be at 3 p.m. And at that point, the program directors can look at the applications they've received and decide to do either phone or virtual interviews. And that process could take place on that Monday, could take place on that Tuesday. And so it's not going to be something that you're going to know exactly when it will happen. So what I tell applicants is after you've applied, the next step is to start prepping for possible residency interviews. And as I said, the PD could call you at any time, and therefore you want to be ready with some great answers. Now, when you're preparing, you have to take into account that you may be asked some uncomfortable questions, things like, why do you think you didn't match? And these aren't easy questions to answer, but your answers will have some bearing on your chances of receiving an offer from the program. So I want to go through some questions that you should definitely prepare for. And they include such questions as, what specialty did you pursue in the match? Why do you think you didn't match? What do you consider to be the weak points in your application? Can you tell me more about your red flag? Why are you now considering our specialty? How can we be sure you're committed to our specialty? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? What do you hope to do with your career in the field? Why are you interested in our program? Why are you interested in our geographic area? And if you don't match through the SOAP, what will you do? And so these are all questions that I have, you know, my students work through. And I also remind them to prepare some questions to ask your interviewers, because, you know, if you don't ask questions, that may turn off some interviewers. So I just want to run through the sequence of events. So essentially at 11 a.m. Eastern time on that Monday, you're going to have access to that list of unfilled programs. And you are going to look through that whole list. And at that point, you need to decide which of these programs you're going to apply to in which specialty. And you can apply to a total of 45 programs, but that's a lot of decisions to be making really quickly. But then at 3 p.m. is when programs can start downloading your applications. And this is when you need to be prepared to really, in, a, in essence, have a program director call you and you need to be ready to have an interview over the phone, correct? That's right. And that's why as many of these questions that you can think about now, 
it's going to be so important. And some of these questions you might have to work on between that 11 and three o'clock window, you know, things about why are you interested in our program or why are you interested in our geographic area? But certainly a number of these questions are ones that you should be prepared for now. If you don't match the SOAP, what will you do? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? So really, I think with your with your applicants, you tell them ahead of time to work through all these questions, correct? I do. You know, I, I tell all my applicants to think about, you know, the SOAP process and how you can put yourself in the best position to make something good happen during the SOAP process. And since the interview will occur or will need to take place in order for you to get that offer, I often have my students work through these questions in advance of SOAP week. How do programs handle SOAP? So once programs interview applicants, they're going to create what we call preference lists for the applicants they've interviewed. Basically, they're going to list those applicants in order of preference. Now, in contrast to the main residency match, applicants who are participating in SOAP will not be ranking programs. So what will happen next is that the NRMP will extend offers to applicants during the SOAP process offer rounds. And during that offer round, when you receive an offer, and you you can receive more than one offer. So if you're fortunate, you'll have multiple offers to be considering. During that SOAP offer round, you can accept or reject the offer, but you have to do it within the time that you've been allotted. So that's a two-hour window. And if you don't accept or reject it within that time period, what happens is the offer will expire. So if you've rejected an offer or if you've let an offer expire, then you won't be extended that offer again by that program in the later SOAP offer rounds. And how many offer rounds total are there? There are three offer rounds. So let's say you're in round one and you have three offers, but you're not crazy about any of them. You would just then let those offers expire and then you would hope for more offers in later rounds, correct? That's right. But your chances of securing offers go down as you move through the rounds. Most offers and acceptances in terms of people who fill these spots are made through that first round. What if you don't get a position in the SOAP? If you don't get a position in the SOAP, it will feel like, you know, it will feel terrible. But, you know, all is not lost. There are still going to be positions left after the final SOAP offer round. In other words, not all positions are filled in the SOAP process. So what will happen is at the conclusion of the SOAP process, the NRMP is going to make that list available to you, and then all applicants will be free to contact those programs as they wish. What I'll also tell our listeners is that positions will become available over time. So match week is in mid-March. Residency generally starts in the first week of July. So there's months in between those two periods, and a lot can happen. And so positions become available because people will drop out of those positions, or something will come up that prevents them from starting the residency program, Uh, for example, a visa issue. So there will be positions that become available after SOAP. Now, while you are searching for these positions, 
you should also be meeting with your mentor or your advisor to get a strong understanding of what held you back from matching. So this is a crucial piece that I find some students don't follow through on. But if you have an objective analysis of your situation, it really allows you to focus your efforts appropriately when you do reapply. And the idea is to strengthen the application in any way you can to improve your chances. And I'm going to add one point here, Samir, because I saw this in dermatology frequently. Every year, surprisingly, there are positions that open up in dermatology. And there are a number of reasons for this, you know, like you mentioned. But when that happens, a lot of times the program director will send out an email to the dermatology program director's listserv. So, you know, programs across the country will hear about, okay, there's now an open residency position starting in two months in, you know, in Houston. So if you go unmatched in your specialty and you do not match in SOAP, this is not the time to be, you know, quiet or keep this to yourself. This is the time to really reach out to anybody who you have worked with in you know, the previous years, in the previous months, who knows about your skills and qualities, who is somebody who is an advocate for you or knows enough about you to want to see you succeed. This is the time to really advise everybody that this has happened. And if they hear of any positions in opening up, to please let you know. I think it's so important to recognize that positions open up outside the match not infrequently. So you really want to make sure people are looking out for you. And that means you really do have to inform everybody about what happened. No, I wanted to add something else because I think you make such an important point. You really need to know how positions that become available, how that is communicated within your chosen specialty. So that means of communication may vary to some extent from specialty to specialty. So for example, some specialty-specific organizations may make that available on their professional society website. And so you want to really talk to people in the know in your chosen specialty to, to really understand the multiple ways that open positions are communicated. Any other final thoughts, Samir, as we wrap up this episode? Yes, a very important final thought, and that has to do with finding out that you didn't match and how that makes you feel. Because as I said earlier in the episode, I've talked to so many people that have had this happen to them, and it really is just, it's so emotional. It's, it can be devastating, and the emotions are so raw. And I always worry about our students' uh, emotional health. And, you know, we have to, above all, take care of ourselves if we find ourselves in this situation. And certainly for all of us that are out there, we need to be there for others if they're going through this. That's such an important point. I think this was, uh, this is a bit of a challenging episode because it's, not something that anybody wants to have to think about. But I think from the standpoint of, you know, the way we talk about preventive medicine, this is just one where you want to be prepared just in case and having a plan can really make all the difference when it comes down to that. And certainly, Dr. Desai and I are going to be rooting for all of you as you're applying for the match, as you're waiting for match day. So we wish you all the best. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata here with my partner, Dr. Samir Desai, on the Success in Medicine podcast. <laughs>